Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to bring on the line returning guest, Mark David Gerson, and we are going to be sharing very spontaneously from the heart, as we often do, on the topic, Authentic Creativity. Mark David is an award-winning author, and he is a coach. He guides people through breakthrough experiences, and he really... His life is a message of creativity in itself, a message of authenticity. That is what he has conveyed through his own path and his own writing, and now he shares that with others. Um, He is the author of 12 books, and the last book that we discussed on this show is his most recent, Sarah's Year, which is a novel. He's also the author of the Quintana Trilogy, and the acclaimed The Voice of the Muse, Answering the Call to Write, and many books on writing and helping us through creativity, other books on spirituality. Um, He is adapting the Quintana Trilogy into three motion pictures, and that is a project that is underway, and he also has quite a presence on YouTube. I I have to always invite you to his You Are a Writer meditation, which becomes ever more popular out there, and it's something that keeps on giving, and you can watch it multiple times. Um, Mark David has been doing this work for for over 20 years, and I think we're just all very thankful to have him in our world so that he can assist us all in becoming more creative, and I must add that he also launched some of my work as a coach some years ago, and I, I'm really delighted to be working with him. His his website is markdavidgerson.com, and I am just so happy to welcome Mark David on the line. Hi, Mark David. Welcome back. Hi, Susan. Great to to be back. And, of course, I've been doing this for 20 years, but I was three when I started. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that that seems to be true of of all of us on the the creative path. And maybe that's a that's really quite a beautiful way to begin this conversation, Mark David, which um I I felt would would proceed very freely and you've led me right to my first question for you is how much do those early years of childhood come back to us over the years we aren't we all aren't we born authentically creative and how do we rediscover that and flow with that continually well that's an interesting question certainly from a, a personal perspective um because yes we are all born we are all innately creative and however that shows up it doesn't obviously show up for everyone um through the, through the printed word um, you can be creative in the kitchen. You can be creative um, on the canvas. You can be creative in, you know, in so many ways. Um, yeah. What sometimes happens, fortunately not always, though it did happen for me, is that somewhere in childhood we get shut down. Um, yeah. Now, um, it's interesting you mentioned childhood because I have no idea, at least not consciously, what shut me down. I just know that I was shut down and, and I... Yeah. Um, we've talked about this before, and I do talk about it in several of my books, including the memoir. Um, but I really turned away from anything involving creativity, anything at all involving creativity, um, really until, well, I, I joke that I was tricked into becoming a writer. Um, I didn't really start doing anything truly creative until my 30s. But the um, my muse, um, that um, kind of creative inner part of me, of all of us, began tricking me really when I was in when I was in uh, my final years of high school. But uh-huh. we get shut down for whatever reason. Um, sometimes it's because we've been criticized. Um, sometimes it's because we've been told to do things a certain way and it, and it doesn't work for us. Um, Really, the reasons why we're shut down, I don't think, are nearly as important um, as whether or how we can open ourselves up again. And really, my whole journey, both personally and in terms of the work that I do and the books that I write, uh, is about helping people reconnect or connect more deeply, if they are connected still, um, with their creative selves, with their expressive selves. Um, and although I do, I work mostly with writers, I have worked with visual artists and other creative artists because uh, it really is the same thing. Um, it doesn't matter um, whether we're writing or painting or making music um, um, or expressing ourselves in other ways. Um, the principles and the precepts and what makes it work for us is the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Mark David, I was um I reconnected with, with an old high school friend recently and somehow we got to talking um about a particular class that we had in high school where where we had a very critical teacher. Um and that particular teacher really affected me 
Um, and I never realized it until some years later. It literally stopped me from speaking spontaneously. Do you know that for years, this was not so much writing. I continued to write. Um, other things shut me down in that way. But when it came to speaking, it was because um, of the way we were called on in that class and the way we were put on the spot in very challenging ways. It it affected me for years. And I guess what, what made me think about this just now is I have no idea how that reemerged. There are some days I have no idea how I'm doing this radio show because it shut down so much. And I was such a spontaneous child and young person who did speak spontaneously a lot. But yet it took just just that. I mean, it's it's sad. And then I found out that, you know, this other person that I knew was shut down too. It you know, or it had a traumatic experience in that in that class. And you know, it it's sad when this when this happens and it's amazing how it, it can take just, you know, one influence, but somehow it seems it reemerges. And and that's what I see through what you said, is that, you know, if we were a spontaneous, you know, if we find that spontaneity again, if we're fortunate, if we seek it, if we allow it to come forth, but it is easily wounded in our youth, and and we need to be aware of that when we work with children, too, those who are listening who are working with children and teens. You know, Obviously, I'm not in the school system now, and I was in the school system <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I began teaching, which was in the 90s, um, yeah. one of the things that I did then and still do sometimes is, is if, the, if the group is small enough, is, is I'd go, I would go around the room and say, you know, why are you here? What do you hope to get from the class? Where are you in your writing um, or the workshop? And um, tragically, one of the things that I would hear so, so often was, I used to love to write until, dot, dot, dot. And that until was almost always followed by a a bad experience in school. Um, A teacher, a university professor, a college professor um, who told, um, you know, who told them that they had to write a certain way or what what they were doing was wrong. Um, And I obviously don't know if that, sort of thing still happens. I would like to think there doesn't, but I suspect that there are probably some places where it still does. Um, the wonderful thing is that, that, that these people who came to my workshops, um, who come to my workshops, um, recognized that something was shut down and recognized that uh, it was something that needed to be opened up again. And, uh, and through, you know, through the work that we, that we did together, and this is true in workshops. This is true with individual clients. It's true through my books. Uh, it's even true, true through that five-minute video you mentioned, which, by the way, now has over 28,000 views, which I guess in a world of hundreds of thousands of YouTube views is not exactly viral. But for me, it's viral, and I'm, and I'm oh, very that's, gratified that's that. That's quite uh, viral for, for, for many videos, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> well, it's way more than any of my others, for sure. Um, and I'm uh-huh. very obviously very gratified that um, – uh, people continue to discover it and find it helpful. And of course, that 28,000 does not cover the people who watch it a second time, um, and it does not cover uh, the fact the people who watch it um, directly on my Facebook page because it's also um, it's also um, uploaded directly to Facebook. So yeah, it's probably closer to to 
somewhere over 30,000 by now, and that just blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. You still there? I heard a I'm silence on the line. Oh, good. Okay. I heard like a yeah, little here. muting for a second. It was. Oh, you know what? That, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Somebody, somebody just um, wrote to me before the show um, about about Mercury being retrograde and, and communications, yes. and, and <laughs> but I decided I'm taking the the symbolic 111 energy instead. You know that I'm not right. <laughs> going to focus on right. That. No, that's that's probably yeah. No, I, I uh, uh, I'm still here and uh, good. Good. Um, not not um, going nowhere. <laughs> that is great. And, you know, I have to believe, unfortunately, you know, there are good teachers and there are bad teachers still out there. Anyone who's a parent knows that, that you know, kids are still experiencing um, all kinds of teachers. Although I have to say, um, you know, it, it seems, well, I don't know if I can say it's improved or not, but, you know, they're, they're just, it, whatever these influences are, that have shut us down. I guess we can only hope and and work on on reopening ourselves up. Like you said, you know, do we have to do we have to own that wound forever? I mean, we can acknowledge it and see it and see that yes, you know, that had a big impact on me and then well, here's, find a way to grow. Well, here's here's the thing and I I I don't always like to admit this. Um but seeing as it's just you and me, Susan, I can, <laughs> I can, I can, I can tell. I know you won't tell anybody at all. Oh um, no, no I, nobody's I'm, listening I, at all. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but um, yes, I mean, I was seriously blocked for decades. Um, yeah. And it was only through a series of experiences, again in my early 30s, that things began to open up. Um, and I could say, as some do, oh, God, what a, you know, what a waste of those first 30 years of my life when I wasn't being creative, when I was shut down, and, and on and on and on. Yeah. But yeah. the fact of that, the fact that I was shut down, the fact that I denied my, my, my creativity, the fact that I ran away from my creativity, um, meant that when I finally opened up to it, um, I became a far better teacher and coach for having experienced that than I ever would have been otherwise. I mean, would I even be teaching had I had not had I not had those experiences? Um, all those experiences deeply inform my work, deeply inform my books. Um, I mean, I write memoir, I write um, books on writing, and I write fiction in two diametrically opposed genres, so far at least. Um, and in a sense, as I discovered, as I continue to discover, the common thread through all those books and all those genres for me is an invitation to the reader to open up to his or her creativity, to, his or, to, to, to express, for readers to exp- find ways to express themselves. And, and um, one of the amazingly gratifying things about Sarah's year, which was, which was totally unexpected, as was the book for that matter, that's another, but that's another story, um, was a number of people who have written me or, or um, having read the book and said, you know, I've always wanted to take an art class, I've signed up. I've always yeah. wanted to write, I've started writing. Um, yeah. I, I haven't written in years, I'd pick it up again because there was something about that particular story 
um, which is about people rediscovering their creative dreams or discovering creative dreams they didn't know they had, um, that, again, so gratifying for an author to act. Yes, yes. You know, um, Sarah's year really is a, a profoundly powerful work. I mean, I I think that I'm not at all surprised that it's moving people in that way. Um, and, you know, what I find so interesting about your process, Mark David, and so many others, is just how spontaneously what you write comes to you and how you allow it through. Um, and, you know, I think that, um, and I know I didn't mention in the intro that, that you're working on a sequel, and I, I know that people will will really enjoy that um, and, and appreciate it. You know, something, the more I think about this, you know, when you talk about people writing to you about art, you know, re, that reemerging, and that, you know, many people start out as children with artistic inclinations. Creativity, when we choose to be open to it, emerges in so many ways. The other day I just had a conversation with someone in my town who who is in a leadership role, and we were talking about drama of all things. I mean, drama like from high school. And and I was telling a friend how when I was in high school, because I was raised so conservatively, I loved drama in junior high, and I was allowed to do it. I I had roles on the stage doing the doing plays, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. But when I got to high school, we were so conservative. Um, I I don't think I felt comfortable doing the plays, and neither did my parents feel comfortable, and so I stopped. And so was this, there was this discussion of how a bunch of people in my town are like like me, and maybe we just want to get together and start reading things, you know, just doing readings together or something. And and it just just reawakening that, and how community theater is starting up again in so many places. This can emerge in so many ways, and we need to just let it through because it wakes us up and brings us alive. No, absolutely, and, and you know, as I've said several times, and you just reiterated, creativity takes many forms, and it doesn't have to take any form that's even remotely traditional. It's, it's, it, it really is simply about, simply about finding ways to express who you are in the world, to yourself yes. and in the world. Yes, yes, and, you know, it, it seems that um, all of these things grow our courage, and um, I, I had someone um, um, at my booth some, some years ago. You've been at my booth. So many people have been at my Conscious Life Expo booth. Well, one year I had Dean Hagelin there. I can't remember if you were also there that year at all, but um, from the X-Files. Actually, he's going to be in the next X-Files. And he was talking to me about um, drama classes, acting classes, and how – they help people become better people. I need to I need to bring him on this show someday because that that it helps with your own vulnerability. Whether you're an actor or not, how it helps you become more authentically you, which is interesting because you're acting, um but the only way that you can authentically be an actor is by being more authentically who you are, coming coming in touch with your vulnerability and things. And and I that conversation, which was years ago, stayed with me. I still think about that 
And and it has everything to do with vulnerability, doesn't it, Mark? They, Absolutely. I don't know if you remember creativity. From, yes. I don't know if you remember from Act of Surrender, but um, some years back, this would have been still in the late 90s, I guess. Well, I was still living in Toronto. Um, uh-huh. I took an acting class. Um, uh-huh. It's funny because um, I didn't plan to take an acting class. <laughs> Like so much else in my yes. life, um, uh, I was kind of tricked into taking an acting class. Um, I'd moved back to Toronto from Nova Scotia, right? Well, actually, I wrote the first two drafts of my first novel, The Moon Quest. And um, one of my secret, another, another secret I'll share with you that nobody else has to know, um, uh. I've always wanted to sing. Um, uh-huh. uh, if I could have done anything else, it would have been to sing. And I saw an ad for voice classes. And I assumed it was singing classes. Um, So I plucked up my courage. It was a big deal just to be able to do that. And I called and and left a message. When the guy called me back, it turned out it wasn't wasn't a singing class at all. It was um, voice classes for actors through Actors' Equity in Toronto. Um, Being taught, in fact, by one of Canada's foremost um, coaches. And like so many other times in my life, I said yes without thinking. <laughs> and it was it was incredibly prof- profound, so profound. I went back and took the two, I took the one or two follow up classes. But I mean, yes, I mean, I was I was ripped raw, not by anyone but my own, ex- but by by my own experience in those classes. And um, clearly, deeply. Um, had an impact on 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 me and and of course from there on, on all my writing and all my work after that it was it was I mean I can this this is like almost twenty years ago and I can still see myself in the class after the at the last class of the first or second session um, we were assigned a Shakespeare sonnet um, and of course as an actor what you do is you is you you know you you find your own life experience that speaks to what you're being called to act and put that in and not break down <laughs> because yeah. you're not, it's not a therapy session. It's a, it's, it's an opportunity to use your own experience and your own emotion in somebody else's words. Well, I got the first part, right? Um, the, the, uh, sonnet I was assigned, I don't remember the number though. I do. Again, I do quote it in, in, in my access surrender memoir, um, the first thing that came to me was, was about my father, which is a whole long involved story, which I don't need to get into right now. Um, but it was like Shakespeare had written that for me to express my emotion about my father. Um, and I did not get through it without breaking down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so an actor, I'm not, but... <laughs> Um, it did force me, really, or push me, to explore depths uh, within myself in those words that I hadn't known were there and that I never would have thought I would have had the courage to express publicly in that yeah. way. Yes. Yes. You know, I think that, that sometimes when we hear these words, um, authentic creativity, we think of very light things, we think of play, we can think of all kinds of things other than what it can actually be. It can be play, it can be very light, 
but what it often can be is very, very deep, and and it invites us into into those places where you know we may have feared to tread, and 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 somehow we just find ourselves there. And I know your story um, echoes that in so so many ways, as you said. I mean, just like you you just said how how authentic creativity can take us very very deep and amazingly quickly um and and then what emerges from that well i think you know for me when you mentioned when you originally mentioned the um the theme for today's show authentic creativity for me it's really about opening to what's inside ourselves and expressing that and that is incredibly scary because most of us don't even yep. want to open to what's inside of ourselves, let alone share it with the world. Um, yes. And I think that it goes back to that vulnerability you were just talking about. It's allowing ourselves to see ourselves, look in the mirror and see, and see everything, warts and all. It's not, it's, not, it's not necessarily a fun experience. And then letting that show through our work, whether it's interpreting the Shakespeare sonnet or or writing a novel, or painting a painting, or how, however it expresses itself. Um, and the result may not be pretty. And the experience may not be pretty. It, it often is not. Um, You know, I can't quite explain it, Mark David, but this morning, and I, I, I hadn't mentioned this at the beginning of the show, for some reason, the passing of David Bowie is really hitting me profoundly. I mean, we've lost a lot of people. I mean, people leave this planet all the time. And I'm not saying I was, like, the greatest fan of David Bowie or anything like that. It just feels like yet another person, and, and relatively young. And I don't want to say that, oh, you know, the the trait, it's our fear of mortality, that it's knocking at our door, we're getting older, and what are we going to share? And yet it has something to do with that. I heard this morning that he was literally writing on his deathbed. He was creating right until the very, very end because he Mm. was such a creative soul. And I guess, you know, how do I express this as a question just, it has something to do without looking at the fear-based way, you know, that that um that we're getting older and what are we going to share, although that's part of it. It's part of it. We're 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 invited to authentically share. Um I I I I'm not even sure I can put into words how this has impacted me except that more and more um as I head into my 50s, um I have a birthday coming up and I'm in my 50s. I, I just feel that the courage comes to me a bit at a time to just be more openly me. What can I share from my experiences, you know? Um, and and I know that others are feeling this as well. Um, and and so how can we how can we really work with that, Mark David, and 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 begin to find our true courage in being authentically who we are. Well, I think the first thing to remember, and this is so, so key, um, is so often when we think about courage, we think it means we're not afraid. Yeah. And if you weren't afraid, you wouldn't need the courage. Exactly. (laughs) Courage is 
basically to you know borrow that 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 old expression, which I guess was a book title. Courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyhow. Uh, courage is. Um, there's a quote in the um, from the Moon Quest, which goes something like, um, "Feel the feel your fear, then walk through it to the other then walk through it to the other side where your destiny awaits." Um, we can't escape our fear. We can't pretend it's not there. It's nice on those days when it's not, or it's nice when we when we move past a fear and it's gone. Um, but our courage is an expression of getting through the fear. It's it's acting in spite of the fear. It's saying, you know, I'm scared out of my wits, and somehow I'm still going to get through this. We've all had experiences like that, and. Um, you know, going back to acting voice class on that Shakespeare sonnet, I was scared out of my wits. <laughs> I was scared yeah. that I was going to make a fool of myself. And we're all, we all, I can't say all, many of us carry that fear. Um, I was afraid I was going to do a bad job. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I was, I was, with the dentist this morning, speaking, speaking of unpleasant experiences. Yeah. And as I was, as I was driving, back, I was listening to a Barbra Streisand album, which I hadn't heard before. I have Apple Music, which I've fallen in love with because I love to listen to anything I want, anytime ever. Um, this, this, this was her, concert, her live concert in Brooklyn a few years back. She went, she went home to Brooklyn. Um, and she sang a song um, that, that Julie Stein, the composer of, um, the lyricist for, for um, Funny Girl, wrote. Uh-huh. Which, which is, I know that, um, that. I love that. That play Funny Girl and the movie. I love the movie Funny Girl. I, I remember it well, actually. Which, what song did she this, sing? I probably it wasn't. Know from, it. it wasn't from Funny Girl. It was from, oh, it it was from a lesser-known Julie Stein musical called Hallelujah Baby, and it was uh-huh. about being good enough. And oh. she, it wasn't so much the song she sang; it was her introduction to the song, where uh-huh. she talks about every performer who gets on stage. Of course, nobody can believe this about Barbara Streisand because she's Barbara Streisand. Right. Um, but every performer who gets on stage is afraid of disappointing the audience of not being good enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you're, you're Joe Blow, who's never done it before, or, or Barbara Streisand, who's done it you know, for, for, for decades. Um, you want to be as good as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and there's this fear that you won't be. Um, yeah. You know, so, and that's, partly where stage fright comes from, whether it's the stage fright of a, of a live performer or the, or the, or the, or the writer's block of, of, you know, of, or, or a creative block of a, of a writer or painter. Um, it's recognizing that all you can do, all you can be the best you can be. Um, yeah. get pat, getting past the fear, which we all have in some form or another, about one thing or another, and doing it anyhow. I mean, I... I have written 12 books, um, and I'm working on a 13th. Um, and I would like to think that it would get easier. <laughs> and in some respects, it does, certainly. I'm not, you know, But each book I have written, up to and including the current one, finds new ways of challenging me and new ways of scaring the pants off me. <laughs> Uh, and somehow 
some days more effectively than others. Mm-hmm. I have to get past the fear um, and put those words on the page. The best words I can come up with in the moment, um, draft after, after draft until the final draft is, is done. And I still know it's not perfect, but I know it's finished. Um, and get ready to get to be freaked out by people reading it and then get ready to be freaked out by the next book, which is, which is going to challenge me even more. Yeah. Um, and I just, I mean, I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know that David Bowie had died, but I didn't know that he was writing until the last minute. And I find that. Well, I, I just heard that. Yeah. Just heard it. Hugely, hugely, ins- hugely inspiring. Um, yes, me too. Um, now, when I was on last, we were talking about Sarah's year. I think I shared the story of how Sarah's year, or part of the story about how Sarah's year happened. And in fact, you were partly responsible for Sarah's year happening by inviting me to your, <laughs> your yes. Conscious Life Expo <laughs> uh, booth last year, and and uh, and the experience I had there, which which reignited the book. But that really wasn't that that isn't that isn't this story, unless you want to hear it again. But the story uh-huh. I, I wanted to re- I wanted to repeat was. Um, you know, I got health insurance. I'm Canadian, and I haven't had health insurance in this country, gosh, since. Well, I hadn't before Obamacare since um, since the 1999, I guess. When I lived uh-huh. in Hawaii, uh-huh. and employers had were were obligated by law to provide health insurance. Uh, but I've been largely self-employed ever since, and and health insurance when you're self-employed is can be very very challenging. Um, yeah. But so I finally went to the doctor at the beginning of you know last year and uh, after 20 years <laughs> or yes. 15 years I guess and you know I mean I had a bunch of scares I mean nothing uh-huh. bad mm-hmm. happened but you know you go for tests you have never had before um, right um, or you haven't had in years and the doctor and the doctor flags this the doctor flags that and, and, uh-huh. and I had like three different three three different two or three different biopsies last year. I mean, it just went on and on and on. And um, when I wasn't freaking out, (laughs) um, one of the questions I asked myself was, well, and actually, I guess this was was the year before. Um, I'm sorry, Uh it was the year before. One of the questions I asked myself was, well, I mean, it's possible I'm going to die. I mean, obviously, I am going to die, but it's possible one of these things is going to show up as being not very good. Right. If that happens in this moment of of um, of not panic, what is important for me to be doing or to have done before that happens? Yes. And I, you know, and 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 as I'm formulating the question, I'm thinking, well, you know, I mean, like, like all all kinds of things. But the moment the question actually became conscious, the answer was write another novel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Something I had no conscious plans whatsoever to do. Yes. And certainly the novel that emerged was nothing that I, w- I would ever have consciously thought of doing. Um, and the sequel to Sarah's Year, which is tentatively, uh, possibly finally called After Sarah's Year, um, was also something I'd never planned to write. Now, that one didn't come from a health scare, fortunately. Um, it came because readers demanded it. I've never had that experience before where um, readers, from, from the, like from the, almost from the very first reader who, who um, got an advanced copy to review, said, 
well, what happened to so-and-so? I want a sequel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, it, and it just went on and on and on until I finally buckled and said, okay. Um, but, you know, when people ask me why I write, I would be lying if I said I write because I love writing. On their days when I love it, but it's hard work. Um, and it's not always pretty, as we talked about before. You know, it's op- opening veins onto the page. Um, but the reason I write, I think I'm, I'm going to sound like some kind of serious addict here. The reason I write is <laughs> well, because be a... <laughs> I can't not write. Uh-huh. And That's not a bad and thing. I don't know if I... <laughs> And I don't know if, I sh- if I've shared this experience on the show before, but a couple of years ago, this was two or three years ago, I was working on, I somehow got it into my head that I was, gonna, I was going to do something I'd never done before. I was going to adapt my fantasy trilogy, the Cantana trilogy, not into screenplays because that had been done, but into stage, into large-scale stage musicals. I mean, you, I don't know how much more insane you can get than that, but anyhow, I, I did it. I, I did first drafts of all three. Every time I revisit those stories, it's like again, it's like opening the veins all over again. Finally finished the first draft of the, of the third story, the Sun Quest. I said, "I'm never doing this again." I am so emotionally, I mean, exhausted isn't even the word for it. Drained isn't I, depleted. I have nothing left. Um, it. I have all all this work out there. It's it doesn't seem. I mean, it it, it sells, but and it's not like I'm supporting myself very well on it. It's 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 it. I was just despairing, I guess. And I said, you know what? You know what, Muse? I'm done. I'm on strike. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> um, I'm not going to do this. I, I want to see some change in my life um, and some, you know, I want results. We all, we, you know, we all say that, but, but one thing or other at yeah. some point um, before I will pick up the pen again. Well, that lasted about three weeks. Of course. <laughs> um, and, um, and I don't remember, oh, I know. I was doing my I was doing my radio show at the time, um, and I just interviewed J. A. Jantz, um, who is a New York Times best-selling mystery writer. Um, great, great stories. If um, if she has one set, uh, one series set in Arizona, one set in Seattle, and a third one which I have not read. I'm not sure where it's set, but great, great storyteller, great stories. Um, and I was I was editing the interview. And I don't even remember now what she said. I may have included that story in the memoir. I don't remember now. Um, I don't remember what she said. But she said something on tape in the recording. And I went, oh, shit. (laughs) I cannot do this. Um, And, you know, it reminds me, one of my great heroes who I've never met, well, I certainly won't now, uh, was Madeline Lengel. Uh, the author of Wrinkle in Time. We've talked about her before too. Yes, yes, and she's and a favorite a, of mine. Yes, and this is many a, of ours. <laughs> in addition to the Wrinkle in Time book, she also wrote adult fiction, and she also has some amazing memoirs and books uh-huh. on writing. Um, just a deeply spiritual person. Um, 
huge admiration for her. She's whenever anybody says, "Who would you want to meet, living or dead?" She's she's one of the, one of the top ones that comes up for me. But um, I share this story. I think in most of my books for write, uh, for writers, um, um, when I talk about rejection, Wrinkle in Time was rejected 26 times over two years, um, and Madeline Lengel was a published author. She just hadn't written uh, young adult fiction before. Even her own publisher turned it down, um, and 25 other publishers turned it down. And one day um, she said, I'm done. She covered her typewriter and went, down and, and, and went downstairs to the kitchen to get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or something. And as she tells this, um, and I saw her interviewed on PBS years ago, I think it was, and this is where the story came from. Um, as she tells this, um, she's walking down the stairs toward the kitchen, Typewriter's covered, never to be, never to be uncovered again, right? Right. And suddenly she has this idea for a story about failure. And she turns around and climbs the stairs and uncovers the typewriter, puts a piece of paper in and starts writing. And that of was her, her, my strike lasted longer than hers. <laughs> 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 but when I heard whatever it was that, that, that Judy Jantz said to me on in that recording, um, I knew that um, I, w- I had to cave. I, I got no confessions from the employer, <laughs> not, not, a, not a single one, and the strike was over. And um, every time I feel despairing or discouraged, I think about that, and I know that, you know, I can make all the noises I want. It makes no difference. This is something that I have to do. And I don't know if I'll be writing on my deathbed, Um but um, whether I like it or not, whether I want to, with my mind, do it or not, it is so much a part of me um, that there's no choice. There's no choice. There's a, there's, a cha- there's, a sa- there's a chapter in my Access to Render memoir, which tells a different story, um, which, co- which is called All That Matters Is That I'm Writing. Um, which obviously I hadn't remembered when I, when I went on strike. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but really, when it comes right down to it, for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, it's like breathing. Yes. And, you know, some yes. days it's like breathing with asthma <laughs> or, <laughs> or like breathing, you know, in some place where it's really hard to, hard to breathe. But you still have to breathe, and I still have to write. Yes. And I have to write, you know, not 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 advertising jingles, but does not to denigrate advertising jingles. I have to write from the deepest depths of my innermost being, um, and I have to spill that onto the page for everyone for everyone to see, like I did in that voice class with that Shakespeare sonnet. Yes, yes. And you for know, me, that's yes. being authentic. It's the only way yes. I know how. You know, something that I know is a part of your history and, and eventually came to light um, in your published work, and something I feel, um, I have to tell you that, um, you know, I I had stopped writing. I have had periods in my life where I've been very prolific um, in unusual ways, like when I used to write on the Oprah Forum, I, I wrote... Oh gosh, 
well over a thousand pages. I couldn't even begin to tell you how much I must have written out there, and much of that is lost, but it doesn't matter. It had its purpose. But the thing that I am finding is that writing really is life to me, just writing. I, I mean, I don't know what of my writings will be published, but um, what many people may not realize, I write every day. There is not a day that goes by now where I don't write. Um, and, you know, I need to, to to be guided, and many of us may be in this situation, as to what will see the light of day. But just the act, the sheer act of writing and rereading the writing and growing from the writing is is huge. Um, and I know that it matters. And I know that this was part of your path where you did a, a great deal of of writing um, on on your own and in different ways. And and not everything we write goes straight to to publication, and yet it it grows us in amazing ways. I like to say that no word, no sentence, no draft, no abandoned manuscript is ever wasted. Because if you're writing from that authentic place, from that deep place, then 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 it's publishing within you and making a difference. Um, the and I know I've shared this before. The Star Quest book two in my Quintana trilogy, the Star Quest, um, took me. It took me. I can't even. I'm almost embarrassed to say this. It took me 11 years to write a first draft. 11 friggin' years to write the yeah. first draft. Yeah. And I and I started that first draft three times. So it weren't it wasn't a third draft because I started the first draft, I got stuck, let it go. Two years later started it again, got stuck, different place, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> and and then uh, and then finally, um having begun it in nineteen ninety eight, um actually begun it and finished it in two thousand nine. Well that first draft anyhow. Um and I knew then why it had taken me so long, some of the reasons anyhow, um, but it didn't eliminate the frustration of those years. Um, but those, but what I wrote, even if the book had never come out, um, was hugely, hugely life-changing for me. Um, you know, and going back, I'll share a story from the Star Quest, going back to what we were just talking about, you know, but having to write, needing to write. Uh, the, yeah. the, the Quintana trilogy, um, although mostly in the first book, The Moon Quest, it's true in the other books too, is about stories and storytelling. Um, and in the in book two, the main character, her name is Quintana, um, without going into huge detail about, about the story, um, she uh -huh. finds herself in a situation um, where she and her traveling companions are forced to face their deepest fears. Yes. Um and when her turn comes, um, or before her turn comes, she assumes intellectually their deepest fear will be not completing her not completing her quest, the quest she's on, which has serious, very serious consequences not only for her but for everybody, or not seeing her son, um, who she's been separated from um, a second time, um, not seeing her son again. Um, but when the moment comes, and she's a storyteller, she's a bard storyteller, 
the moment comes what she discovers to her amazement and of course me to my I didn't know this was I didn't know this was coming either. This is the way I write. I don't know what happens until it happens, usually. <laughs> what she discovers is her greatest fear is losing her stories. Wow. Because without her stories, A she doesn't exist and B she has nothing to give herself anyhow. Um so and I was so startled as I'm writing this because, and this is, again, this is in 2009, so this is before the strike. <laughs> uh-huh. um, um, well before the strike, uh, well before the, all that matters is that I'm writing chapter in the memoir. Um, so you'd think I would have learned this by now, but, um, but I'm startled because I realize if this is Kinta's greatest fear, then it has to be mine. Yeah. And I was blown away because Again, like Kinta, intellectually, I could think of things that should be bigger fears. You know, to do with my daughter, to do with my health. I mean, just you can go on and on and on. Yeah. But no, the biggest fear for me as for her, because she is merely an aspect of me in, in the end, um, was the loss of stories, the loss of writing, which is one way the stories come out, of course. Um, and again, I mean, I, I I can see myself sitting where I lived at that time, writing that, and just being dumbstruck. Yes. Could it just because, like with Kinta, it did not feel right. It felt wrong. I felt guilty. Yes. That that should be my biggest fear. But... I can't choose what I'm afraid of and what I'm not afraid of, right? <laughs> well, um, it, it um, flows as it flows. I think that it, it, it changes it over time. Um, I, 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 and despite I've had... that, and despite that, I still went on strike a year or two later, <laughs> or three later. Um, even though I had written all that matters is that I'm writing in, the, in, in between, I still said I can't do this anymore. And I was still, and I was wrong, of course. Yeah. You know, I have a question for you. Something that I have personally realized is happening with me, and maybe it happens to other people as well in other ways. When we are engaging in creative acts that are not um, published, you know, it could be writing, it could be art, I could imagine many different ways. I'm having. I feel like the part of me that puts things out, like whether it's on a blog or what I would put in a book, hasn't caught up with, is 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 way behind this deeper voice, I guess, that I'm finding that hasn't been shared. You know, and I'm I I'll I'll go to put a blog out for a blog post out for example, and it just doesn't feel you know, it's kind of it doesn't feel the same and because it just hasn't caught up with this deeper voice that I've become so comfortable with just on a day-to-day basis. And so um and and I wonder if this happens to people with their art too. And I suppose the really courageous people just, you know, they get to the point where they're able to just break that barrier, break through it and get it out there, you know, be that 
but but then again, there's so much context around a deeper work, you know, especially if you're really exploring. I've, I I make no secret, like in my case, I've had a lot of traumatic experiences, which I haven't necessarily talked about, but I haven't talked about publicly, and yet when I work with them on my own, um, I'm I'm able to work with them very honestly and authentically. So, so there's the question. That's actually the core of it. People who are, all of us have things that we're working with, and if we're allowing our creativity to come through, even privately or in whatever way that is working, that's not actually in a published work or artwork or whatever, how do we reconcile the two? How do we get that? You know, and do we need to? I mean, I guess that's the other question is how do we follow our authentic guidance as to, to where to go with with this, that which we must do? Well, you know, I mean, that's that's like a huge question to answer in five it minutes. It is a huge question right at the end of the show. <laughs> I'm making a preview for the next show. Maybe maybe the next show will be, be current, you know. I don't know. <laughs> we make well, it a you know, preview. It, but you could give us a glimpse, I suppose. I'll, give you, I don't I'll, know. I'll, I'll do what I can. I mean, there's The Courage to Create, obviously, which was a, a, a famous book written by Rollo May many, many years ago. Um and the courage to take what you've created and put it out into the world. Um, you can't do the second without doing the first, obviously, and you can't do the first if you're worrying about the second. Right. Um, I mean, what I always say, and I'm sure I've said this to you before, is you have to write first for yourself. You have to write what yeah. you have to write. Um, yes. And from there, you, you determine or you discern or you intuit what has to happen next. Um, um, and sometimes the writing is all internal. It's, it's, that's all it's for. And there's nothing wrong with that because as I said earlier, every word from an authentic place changes you. Yes. And if it changes you, it still changes the world because you're changed in the world. Yes. Very true. Um, and that's something that, that we all have to remember, even if we're published, because publishing doesn't doesn't mean being sold or being read a whole lot a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but just as you are called to listen deeply to those inner voices telling you what to put on the page, then those same inner voices will tell you if you listen and you trust and you open um, and you find your courage, we'll tell you what to do next. Yeah. Sometimes it's put it aside. Sometimes it's tidy it up and try to get it published. Sometimes it's tidy it up and these days, much more easily than in the past, get it out there yourself. Um, you know, there's no universal answer for this as, there, as for anything else. It's what you, from your authentic place of listening, from your heart, and of course, courage comes from, the, you know, courage, courage in French, cœur is heart. It's, it's coming from your heart. What is it that is yours to do? Yes. And what is it that is yours to do with what you have created? And sometimes it takes more courage not to put it out. Very true. Very true. Um, 
And there's yeah. no, just, just as there's no universal answer for everyone, there's no universal answer for everything you write. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that, that you know, your heart really knows. I think that, that when you're guided to to write in whatever way or create, just follow that. I mean, I think that your story, Mark David, shows us that things do come out in perfect timing. You know, whatever is meant to to be out there, and 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 it it is. It's true. It's how it's changing you. It's how creativity changes us when we just allow it to be. So. Thank you for that. And now we're we really are in the last three minutes. And so I I want to um, just first of all thank you again from my heart for being here, and then also give you the opportunity to to tell people um, again where they can find you and and um, what you have going on that you want to let people know about um, sure. coming up. First, the best way to find me. Um, is on my website, which is Mark David Gerson, G-E-R-S-O-N dot com. I think it's probably on the show page for the show. Yes. Um, there are links there to all my social media, but you can also just search for Mark David Gerson, all one word, because that's a username I use almost everywhere. I would love to accept your friend request on Facebook, but I'm afraid I'm a full, I, as of a few weeks ago, I'm full up. But you yes, can still you follow are. me and follow my posts. And um, I have a Facebook fan page at Mark David yeah. at facebook.com slash Mark David Gerson dot page where everything I post gets posted first. Um, Twitter, Mark David Gerson. Um, you can look for my author page on Amazon.com or just search again for Mark David Gerson on, it, on any Amazon site. All my books are um, in paperback and ebook. Um, from all major online booksellers as well as from my website. If you order from my website, you can get them signed um, by me to you. Um, no events coming up, but um, please check out the books. Uh, Sarah's Year is the newest piece of work of fiction. I have five works for writers, uh, books, uh, five books and a recording that has that, has that You Are a Writer meditation we talked about at the outset on it. Um, and the memoirs we talked about, Acts of Surrender, a writer's memoir, and Dialogue with the Divine, Encounters with My Wisest Self. And I could probably go on and on and on, but I think you've got all you need, so I'll stop. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I always appreciate having you here, Mark David. And um, you know, I look forward to the next time, because I know that, that we will do more authentic exploration next time and and i do um i'm very close by the way to having a page out which i was going to surprise you with before the show but we'll make it after which has all your shows on it i've I've been working on it and it's going to be out very soon um highlighting this one at the top so thank thank you again and and i do appreciate i appreciate you mark david Thank you, Susan. It's always a pleasure to be on the show, and I look forward to coming back so I can answer your last question in more detail. All right, more detail. great, great. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And really quick to the live audience before you go, the next show is Wednesday, same time, 12 p.m. Pacific. Cindy Griffiths-Bennett will be here, and we're going to talk about Grow Your Spiritual Business which is a new book she's co-authored that she has out, and I'm really looking forward to bringing Cindy back on. She's been on the show before. It's been quite some time, 
And um, we're going to, I I am personally interested in this topic since that's exactly what I'm doing too, um, um, independent of this show. Um, this show is a gift from my heart. And FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you can go um, to learn more about this show. It is a listener-supported show, and that's right. It's not a corporate show or anything like that. It is a it is a heart-based, not that corporations and businesses can't be based in your heart. One would hope that they are. But this show really is um, a gift from my spirit, um, and it's listener-supported. If you feel guided to support this show, you can learn how to do that at FrontierBeyondFear.com. Um, we have quite an archive of shows now. This is um, We're well into our sixth year now. And I feel so very blessed to have these wonderful guests continuing to come to the show. Um, And as long as I'm, we're talking in the archive now, but um, just a note about an upcoming appearance that I have. It's a good time to start planning your travel, if you haven't already, to Los Angeles and to the Conscious Life Expo once again. Um, I will be speaking out there, and we'll also have a booth. My booth will be in the same place, those of you who have found it before, in the room with the food and the music. Um, 706, if I go from memory, is the booth. Um, And um, I'm easily found in the guide. And I'm also speaking um, on, gosh, what am I speaking about? <laughs> Multidimensional living, I believe, is what I finally settled on as the topic, um, where I'm going to speak very honestly about what does it mean to be living authentically in the space of synchronicity and, and having a relationship with time that is unusual. So many times I've said on this show, I welcome you across time. I really mean that. Linear time is an illusion. We really can feel energetically um, across time. And you are very present with me right now, those of you listening to this podcast, across time. There are no barriers of time. And something I'm going to talk about, and that's Saturday, February 20th at 7 p.m. at the Hilton LAX at the Los Angeles Conscious Life Expo, Um Ever since I was a child, I've always um, kind of, well, not just kind of, communicated with myself across time. Just really just, you know, said to myself, you know, um, when I'm much older, you know, I hope you you notice me here. Here I am when I'm 10. And maybe that's unusual for a kid to do. But somehow children tend to know the illusions that, that are that surround us and one of the things that can be very much an illusion is that time limits us in any way and we can certainly send energy to anyone including ourselves i can send love and energy to my own child that i once was and so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about um, reincarnation and soul agreements and just all kinds of interesting things and that's at the los angeles conscious life expo um, also at my booth this year, Diane Bischoff-James will be there for a little while. Um, not sure all the time she'll be there, but just a bit. Um, she's going to be speaking, and she's been on the show. And um, she's doing a post-conference event. She's speaking Friday night, I know. Um, 
And she's also speaking on Monday in the afternoon doing a post-conference event. So um, she will be there. And I will once again have books of guests. I will have Mark David's, um, some of his works there. And anything I haven't sold yet, sometimes I I sell various things of, of some of the authors, and Mark David is one. I know I have at least a few left of his Voice of the Muse um, CD, which I'll be bringing with me. Um, so in any case, I certainly welcome you there. And now's a good time to schedule that. So again, FrontierBeyondFear.com for, for things coming up. And thank you, everyone, for being here today. Um, look forward to seeing you here again on Wednesday. And I may do a solo show in here every once in a while. And I welcome you to those, too. Take care, everyone. Thank you.